Welcome to Ghost of a Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Lignato. I'm an astrologer, psychic medium, and animal communicator, and I'm going to give you your weekly horoscope and no bullshit mystical advice for living your very best life. Welcome to the podcast. What would you like a reading about? Okay, so I was raised in the United States. My family is from Iran. Um, All of my life, I have had a passion for justice. And I have also had a really strong sense of not knowing where I fit um, because I was raised in the U.S. I am Persian, but I don't speak Farsi fluently. I don't, you know, my connection to my country is strong, but not as strong as uh, many Iranian Americans. And so I've always felt this like living in the middle. Ever since the uprising began in Iran in September, after the death of Masa Amini, um, I have felt compelled to do whatever I could, whatever I can. Um, You know, I started with posting things on social media. I've slowly gotten involved uh, with the community here who is organizing rallies. I've made phone calls and it still doesn't feel like enough. And this has been something that I have wrestled with for a really long time that I sit with all this privilege um, being someone from the United States and that I have a lot of um, had a lot of guilt around that about how I should be doing more to help the world, help my community, all of those things. And now um, my guilt has transferred to this strong sense of responsibility, but I still don't feel like it's enough. And I feel like um, I want to understand based on my chart, like what my skills are, what my purpose is, how I can best use who I am to really make an impact Mm. and to really be okay with the privilege versus the guilt, I guess. Because I mean, I say I'm not, I don't feel guilt, but it's hard not to feel like we have all these privileges being in the U.S. and we can close our eyes if we want to, but I can't. So, Okay. So there's like lots of parts to your question that I want to kind of unpack because part of what you're talking about is really like emotional. It's like how to hold privilege and how to hold it responsibly, right? To a certain extent, I think every single one of us who is aware of injustice in front of us, far away from us, and everything in between, any one of us who's aware of our privileges, it comes with guilt, you know, and hopefully it doesn't stay there. But I think that that's like one very human layer of the awareness that comes with of your privileges or of injustice anywhere, right? And so let's talk about that. But then there's something else that you're naming, which I actually have had over the past years of doing the podcast. A lot of people have asked this question of like, what does my chart say about how I can be helpful or how I can be a part of the solution? That's a question that I've been asked so many times. And literally every single time somebody asks me that, I think, I don't know what you mean. So I finally get to ask someone, what do you mean by that? (laughs) I guess I, you know, I've, this isn't the first time I've had my chart read. And I understand that based on my placements, there's certain um, magic. I just want to say magic that, you know, that I, that I have, you know, that each of us has based on those placements, there's certain strengths, there's certain challenges. And that based on that, um, how can my magic make things better? You know, how is it, Mm -hmm. is it my voice? 
is it not using my voice? Is it, you know, like, I, I want to be more specific. I don't know if that no, was no. the right you're, you're doing, you're, you're doing, you're doing okay. good. So this is, this is where my pain in the ass Capricorn nature comes in, but also to pull back. Well, just because I don't think it's fair. I don't feel like I can ask you, hey, can you tell me, should I be writing press releases or should I be calling Ron Wyden. You know, I don't feel like that's actually what astrology can tell me, but I feel like it can tell me what is my higher purpose, what is um, a a useful way to use this energy, to use the like emotional cancer part of me, the feelings, the, you know, those things. You know what I mean? Like, I don't. I do know what you mean. Okay. When people ask me, what does my chart say? Or like, as you're unpacking the question, and this is this is like a, a tendery thing, so bear with me. But it's like we want to find the answer, and not just the answer, the best answer, the perfect answer. And so we jump into our heads and we start analyzing what's the answer. And any anyone who's into astrology is like, well, fucking astrology can tell me the answer because astrology knows things, and that's great. Except it's skipping over the emotional and experiential part of your inner knowing and seeking the answer through the mind, and. When it comes to something as emotional and spiritual as getting engaged in the world, social justice work, when we activate through our minds and we continue to act through our minds, we burn out because it is such draining work. And the truth is, is that no one of us is going to fix the world. No one of us is going to find the perfect thing. No one of us can make that happen. And what's the expression? It's like, you can go faster alone, but further together. Uh, It's really the tapestry that makes it happen. And so we're going to, we're going to unpack both of these parts. I'm going to pull all the way back and I'm going to talk about your birth chart for a hot minute here, because yes, you are a cancer and you know, I pick questions based on the question and uh, I don't know how I pick so many 12th house placements, but here you go. You have a 12th house sun in cancer and it's intercepted in cancer. And that means all 30 degrees of the zodiac sign of cancer are in the 12th. And so we talk about privilege. You were a child raised by people who they themselves did not feel that they could indulge their emotions. It wasn't safe. There wasn't space. They didn't get to. And so for you, when you're dealing with this issue of how can I participate in the world? How can I make good on my privileges? you start to tap into your Pluto opposition to the midheaven and square to the sun. This feeling of, I need to earn uh, my right to have these feelings. I need to work really hard and do something in exchange for my right to be this emotional about these things. I imagine that this topic has emerged for you in the past, but with the current revolution and uprising that's happening in Iran, it's just, it's hit this like, ultimate vulnerable spot for you. Um, And does that make sense what I'm saying so far? Yes, it it really, really does. Yeah. So I want to just acknowledge that part of what is happening is you are engaging with parts of you that are particularly tender from your own upbringing, which is a result of so much of your parents and what they had to go through. And I failed to say this at first, but you were born July 6, 1979, 7.20 a.m. in Coventry, England, right? So yes. your parents are from Iran, and then they obviously moved to England for a minute, and then eventually to the U.S. So yes. 
you know, I look at your birth chart and I see that in their story, there this was actually, this is exactly where they wanted to be. They wanted to be in the U.S. They worked really hard. They Did one of them have family here? Yes. That's what it looks yes. like. And it mm-hmm. looks like that because you have this Mercury ascendant Jupiter conjunction in Leo. So it looks like one of their siblings or aunts or uncles was able to pull them into this country. Is that correct? Yes. And so for them, it was like such a powerful thing. It was like, we are going to immigrate to this place that is going to be better for us. And it was. When I look at your birth chart, uh, you know, it was in every way, except it didn't magically heal uh, their inherited trauma. It did not magically heal the difficulties that they underwent. And it looks like, I don't know if it's both of them or one of them, but it looks like both of them underwent a fair amount of shit to get here. And so, and you have siblings, correct? Mm-hmm. I have one brother. Younger than you? Younger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You got the chart of an older sibling. You know what I mean? You do. You do. The the thing that I'm sure your brother would agree. So, um, <laughs> so he would. He would. I can tell. I can tell. Um, before we get into engaging in the world and how to like bring your magic and spread it around, right? It's important to acknowledge that you are being deeply fucking triggered. You are being triggered by what you see happening in the world. You are being triggered by what you don't understand within yourself within the world. And I think for a lot of children of immigrants, that feeling of like being able to speak like part of your family's native language, but not all of it, to have a lot of the like cultural resonances, but they're Americanized or they're Westernized. I mean, it is a very uh, complex thing. And some of it is complex in terms of like where you fit in socially, but a lot of it is deep and spiritual. You know, again, you've got this cancer sun in the 12th house intercepted. So who am I? Where do I belong? What is my real, who are my people? What is my family? This is a theme that I imagine plays out in a million places in your life. Yes. And it's especially interesting because right now the deeply triggered part of this is also like the first protest I went to, I had Iranian women question whether I was Iranian because they didn't believe it looking at me because I was wearing my Carhartts and Che Guevara shirt with a raincoat. I don't carry myself the way a typical Iranian woman does, um, but I am like fiercely proud of the fact that I am Persian. And uh, but I oftentimes don't feel like I'm accepted or belong. And Mm -hmm. so that's been a really hard reality for me. And I speak Spanish and I studied Latin American studies in college and I often feel more connected. I can speak Spanish and read and write it way better than I can Farsi. So let's talk about this. And this is like pulling back from astrology a little bit, but this is not uncommon. Again, for people who are raised in the U.S. to families that immigrated from elsewhere. And if you're, especially if you're in a region where there's not lots of Persians, and I'm guessing that you were not raised with lots of Persians around you, this is very common. This is very common. This feeling of like, I can't over-identify with my origins because that's not safe because there's not people around me. So there's a way that many people can really deeply invest in other cultures because then it's like satiating this need to acknowledge being other, but it's not as vulnerable as it is, you know, tapping into your own uh, cultural, ethnic, or racial background. And the thing you're describing of how you feel of like, you know, not being Persian enough, 
or like what a quote typical Persian woman is supposed to be like or whatever the fuck. Right. This I think every group has their own version of that. That doesn't make it less valid or less real. But I think that people are complicated and all of this feeling that you have, all the stuff you're describing is articulated in your birth chart in, in various ways. One is you've got this Mars in the 11th house, which makes you really social, deeply wanting of uh, community, but it's squared by Saturn. So when you get into community, you're often like, I, I don't belong here. Or they say, you don't belong here. And it just kind of stops you in your tracks because you, my friend, have a bazillion fixed placements. You're Like I said, you're rising, you're Mercury, Jupiter, all very fiery in Leo. You, your moon is conjunct uh, Uranus. It's a little wide, but it is conjunct Uranus in Scorpio. And so, you know, you're really a strong-willed person. You've really fixed energy. And so if you walk into a group and they're like, mm, do you really belong here for whatever it is, there's this very strong fixed part of you that's like, you reject me, I reject you. And it's really hard for you to come around from that. Um, definitely that like, um, when they say fight or flight, I'm definitely that I will fight while I flight. Yes, like I'm yes. going to go with like, you know, F yes. off on my way out the door. And this is these are the parts of your chart that kind of articulate why that is. You know, we talk about cancer being so emo. We talk about cancer being so emo. And the real thing we should be talking about is how that hard outer shell does or doesn't serve cancer. Having that hard outer shell hidden in all the folds of your 12th house with all this fixed energy and the Mars square to Saturn, this theme of community of where I belong and where I don't belong, who gets to decide whether I'm Persian enough, whether I'm an activist enough. This is absolutely relevant and real for your lived situation. And also, this comes up in so many ways, on so many levels, in so many situations, that this is your shit, right? Whenever those thoughts, feelings come up inside of you, uh, it is wise to be like, okay, I am being triggered right now. I'm being triggered in a deep pattern. And I need to not just react, but instead sit with my reactions so that I can respond in a way that creates what I want instead of fights and flights in a way I'm really comfortable with. Because of this Pluto square to your intercepted sun, this is something that comes through generations. This is an inherited condition for you. My gut instinct is it was your mom who's gone through this kind of thing her whole life. Is that her? Yeah. Yes. 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 And so when you start to feel this way, you've got this like epigenetic defensiveness that's like, fuck yeah, run for your life. Do not let them tell you who you are. Do not let them see you cry. Even if what's happening is somebody is like, oh, I didn't know you were a Persian. Tell me more. And But there's this part of you that's like, I fucking knew it. You don't think I'm good. Like, you can really go there. And again, some of it's like, you know, you got a lot of Leo in you. But absolutely, a lot of this is deep deep shit for you. Within everything that you're going through, it is important to acknowledge and continue to return to how deeply personal and triggering this stuff is and what a meaningful opportunity it is for healing and coming into wholeness, right? And from that perspective, like if we're really in that perspective, and please tell me if I'm wrong about this, but the question of what should I do for the movement 
kind of is less pressing feeling, isn't it? It 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 is and it isn't because I'm I feel like um God is presenting what I need to do. Like there's there's action being put in front of me, like do this, like I'm being asked to do, you know, and so it's very clear like that is it's been amazing, especially over the last like week of just uh please write this press release, please, like what do you think about this? Like that feels, but still it's like I, I understand I have to let go of the outcomes because I do want to believe that individual actions will make this revolution success, succeed more quickly. And I do, but I also understand that um, it's it's not going to take individual actions from my position in the United States. It's not even going to take individual actions from the brave people who are sacrificing their lives in Iran. It's going to take massive individual actions coming together for massive change to happen because we're unpacking, you know, 43 years plus of uh, tyranny. Yeah. Plus. Yeah. Yes. There's two layers of what you're talking about. One is, okay, this is the one where I want to bring you back to what I was saying at the very start around the noodle, the noggin, the intellectualizing. And again, you got a mercury conjunction to your ascendant. So you lead with the brains and that is not a negative thing, but there's a way that when we talk about all that kind of epigenetic, deeply personal stuff, you're in your feeling. And when you're in your feeling, you're really able to connect with, I don't need to figure out what to do. I just need to keep on doing what's in front of me. I need to keep on trusting. But then as I was listening to you energetically talk just now, you started to talk yourself further from your instincts. And you did that by talking yourself further from your heart. And when I say your heart, I mean your achy, breaky heart, like your heartbroken heart. Some of that is heartbroken around this this situation, but some of that is not. It's like much deeper. This makes sense, eh? Yeah. 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 And so part of what your coping mechanism is, and it's a great one, don't get rid of it, you know, is to be smart, to analyze, to figure out. And what you're engaging with right now, what's like battering you around is the need to be like, okay, I have to have confidence and faith in my smarts and not jump into them immediately to sit with the feelings a little bit longer. Because when you sit with the feelings, whether they're sad, bad, happy, whatever the fuck, whatever they are, you, and I'm not saying this as a general statement, I'm saying you are connected to your brilliance, your intuition, your your, your clarity of insight. And when you get two in your head, you lose track of it. And so you, on the one hand, are wrestling down ideas really well. And on the other hand, you don't feel as connected to the answer because there is no answer when you're in your head. There's only more questions, more ideas, more theories. Whereas in your gut, it's like you said, there is only so much you can do. Yes, it's not enough. And also it's enough. They're both true. And you're doing what you can do. You're not going to get on a plane and go and fix things there. That's not, I mean, that would be hubris potentially to do and wouldn't be necessarily effective, but there are so many things that you can do and are doing. So then this brings us to another thing. And literally when you're talking about heartbreak and my gut, it's like my heart is is aching. I like literally told a friend today that I didn't realize my heart could break so many times and mm-hmm. still be left intact. I'm yeah, sorry. So definitely what you're saying, I connect with. While all of this is happening, you are going through a Saturn square to your moon. So 
Saturn and Aquarius, and it's sitting in your relationship house, is forming a square to your moon in Scorpio. It'll be over uh, February of 2023. So soon. It'll be over in a couple months. This transit, the kind of hard part of the transit is playing out in this topic we're here talking about, right? The part where you are feeling the kind of like limitations of what you can do emotionally and behaviorally, this part of you that feels just heartbroken over and over and over, that's Saturn square moon. And it's a real existential crisis. It's like, if I can't really help, what's the fucking point? And also I have to help because it's the right thing for me to do. It is the right thing to do. And this is something, I mean, you've probably heard me talk about on the podcast many times and in many ways. It's like doing the right thing because it's the right thing is always right. Not necessarily because of what it yields, because we can't know what your actions or your one's lack of actions will do to the big picture down the line. And, and that's just that's just life. So doing what we feel called to do because the call feels right, that's the fucking move. And, you know, you are doing that. I'm not encouraging you to like educate others. I'm not encouraging you to fix things. You're already motivated to do those things. You're already doing those things. I'm here to support you around prioritizing the very personal healing to do alongside the work. Because these are your people. This is your culture. And also, you're an American. And so being able to really own both parts, and this gets to this other piece that we talked about, which is privilege, right? Privilege is a beautiful thing. It's it's great, you know? It is a great thing to be privileged. It's lovely. And so many people hold privilege or talk about privilege like it's something to be ashamed of and it's something to be accounted for. And there's absolutely a way that privileges are something to empower us to do the right thing, to leverage. And also, your parents worked really fucking hard so that you could be privileged. And what a privilege it is to shit on that or throw it away. And, right. and you know, not just you, so so many of us. The real work is to be able to hold all of it at once instead of, I am privileged because my family works so hard. Put that down. I feel guilty because of all my privileges. Put that down. Pick up something else. Put that down. To be able to hold lightly, not too tightly, all of the things, you know. The privileges that I have are a gift to me, and I am grateful for these privileges, and also you know, X and also Y and also Z. The guilt comes in when we're not holding all of it. When we're only like, my privilege means I'm supposed to do something. It might be helpful for you to create a very private altar in your bedroom, you know, very like cancer sun in the 12th house. Like this is not, no, people don't get to see and it. Can you explain in the 12th house, like what that represents? Mm. Whenever we have a planet in the 12th house. There's a number of things that we immediately can know. And you have Venus, the sun, and Mercury's conjunct your ascendant. It's it's very, very much on the ascendant, but from the 12th house. And 12th house planets always indicate energies that one or both parents were repressing actively anywhere from a year before birth until we were seven years old. And when I see Venus in the 12th house, 
I know that one of the parents, probably mom, left behind lost friends because she felt she had to in order to be a mother and or a wife. When I see the son in the 12th house, it means one of the parents, maybe both, felt that they couldn't truly be who they were, that it just wasn't safe. There wasn't room for it. And what happens when adults make choices like that? We are unconsciously, we adults, are unconsciously modeling for our children. These energies are unsafe. There's something wrong with these energies. So even though our parents are doing this as a means of survival or a means of creating something better for their kids, what it can often do is really model, like, there's something wrong here, right? If you haven't already checked it out, I have a a class on the 12th house on my website that you may want to check out because it's really good. And you would get a lot out of it because you have so many 12th house placements. I've been wanting to take some of your classes. So that's awesome to get that direction. I will, that's the one. I will do that's it. the one I will for you. do it. I was and, like, do I do the manifesting one or do no, I do the like... Go with the 12th house class. 12th I mean, house. you know, the manifesting will be live. So that's fun. But like the 12th house class, I think you could really use... I mean, who couldn't use manifesting? But I really do think the 12th house class you could really use. And in particular... People who are strong 12th house people are very visual. So I think there's an audio only version, but I would do the video version for you. Okay. As an aside. But the thing about having the sun in the 12th in particular, uh, and it's not just in the 12th, it's intercepted. It means that you have a hard time finding yourself being like, who am I? What, What am I? And giving yourself permission to be that. And so because you have a Pluto square to that sun, oftentimes it is tumult. It is strife. It is struggle that you identify yourself in reaction to in opposition to, right? And again, this is inherited out of your natural lineage. This is, you know, you're not the first. This is a way that your survival mechanisms are serving you well because you know how to locate yourself when shit hits the fan. But your survival mechanisms are overactive, such that they engage so much of your identity, even when it doesn't need to be flight or fight in a particular situation or moment or whatever it is. A huge part of what will support your evolution is creating space in your life to be in your uncomfortable feelings, which TBH, Pluto and Libra, square the sun and cancer in any house, is so emo. People fuck you up. People really like they get in and they get at you and it is really overwhelming the emotions that can emerge despite your best judgment, Mercury at the rise, like despite what you intend, because that moon Uranus conjunction there, it's it's, it can be a little like self-controlled, that Pluto square to the sun, it really is so reactionary. So what happens is you are a ball of emotion. And then you use your brains and your energy, Mercury and Leo, you know, to propel you forward, to, quote, figure it out, which is why you ask me the question, what does my chart say about X? When you already know what you should be doing because you're doing it. Sorry. You know what I mean? It's so true. It's so true. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's not that you don't know what to do. It's that you haven't come to acceptance that you are doing what you need to do. And yes, you wish there was more. And yes, you wish that the magical 
you know, you would write a press conference and it would explode into the universe as healing. Like, don't we all want that? Everyone who tries, don't we all want to be able to somehow push the needle and be like, fuck, yes, okay, this helped. And sometimes we get that. A lot of times we don't. So much of working to change the world in ways large and small is like, fucking slowly pushing a needle like it's it's the slowest smallest work a lot of times and that's really frustrating and it's also the fucking work it's what changes things and so you know should you make noise obviously mercury jupiter ascendant and leo obviously you should fucking make noise aries midheaven make noise there's no question there and so like how to make noise your life organically is articulating that for you. So it's really about having faith in yourself, checking in with your emotions, especially when you get kind of the way I'm seeing it when I look at you energetically, it's like it's like your brain shoots off a firework and then you have this like firework display of ideas and it is really empowering in the first X amount of seconds or minutes. And then it just becomes like, I don't know what to follow here. I have to chase this fire. Where do I go? And when you get into that firework display vibe, um, that's when you know you've like abandoned the body, essentially. You've abandoned mm -hmm. the emotional body. That's essentially a form of compartmentalizing for you that's highly effective to a point. So if you're like, okay, fireworks display is off. I don't know. Wait, what? What the fuck? What am I supposed to do? That's when you just, if you can, like slow down, breathe, and feel into your heart chakra. If you get woo like that, if you don't get woo like that, then literally like where your cardio, your heart, that muscle is like just energetically breathe and like hover around that space and just breathe into it. And my guess is that what you'll find eight out of 10 times is you're sad. Yeah. And that sadness is so hard for you to tolerate that you would prefer to go up into those fireworks, even if you then are scattered and you're like, wait, now I don't know what to do. If you can practice sitting with that sad and just sitting with it, don't fix it, don't change it, don't understand it, just sit with it. Your intuition organically emerges, it organically comes in. You've heard me talk about how Pluto is like the undertow of the ocean, right? And you've got this Pluto square to the sun. And so what's happening in this is if you can sit with your sadness, sit with your intense emotions, then much like, you know, the person who's not fighting undertow, you just pull away. And then when you pull away, it turns out you've got great intuition. It turns out you have really good access to your instincts, but you don't access them from up in the firework mess. They serve a purpose for you. I don't want to say like, get rid of the fireworks at all. It's about recognizing when they are brilliant and and the, the right medicine for the moment versus when they're a decoy from your feelings and your intuition, which you really need in order to sustain work, any kind of social justice work, but especially social justice work that is so personal to you. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And definitely like the ocean um, metaphor, reality of the undertow. I can, I can rock an undertow. I swim in the Pacific in Oregon that idea of not fighting it, of accepting it and moving through it to get through it, you know, and to save yourself. Like that's yeah. the only way you can survive the ocean. It really is. Okay. So I just want to pause and see, have I addressed your question? Like, does that kind of touch on it? Is there anything that remains? No, I mean, I, I feel like you have. I feel like you have. That's very exciting. Okay, great. So 
I just, you know, while we're here, if somebody's listening and it's like, I really do want to help Iran and I don't know how, do you have any advice on what people can do? Um, So, you know, my first advice is to um, follow Iranians on social media and repost anything that they are posting from Iran. The mainstream media is doing a disservice to what is happening. And the only the best uh, information that's coming out is being filtered through some amazing Iranian activists. Yeah. Yeah. I've had someone like a few different people ask me who really just want to throw money at it and money isn't the answer, but there is a really great organization called um, it's like Iran human rights. That's their handle on Instagram is Iran human rights. And there, I want to say from a country in Europe, but they're documenting what's happening. And that's probably one organization that if someone is hell bent on throwing some money at it, that that's where the money would be helpful. Hmm. Oh, and hundred percent is calling our representatives, um, calling the folks who are on the Middle East committee, but any of your senators and asking them to cut ties with all regime officials and their families that are in the United States. Well, it's really helpful. And I really am grateful for you to share some actionable things that people can do. You know, I've shared about tour here on the podcast mm-hmm. and, and it's, you know, everything feels like not enough when thinking about what's happening in Iran and in so many other regions within the U.S. and abroad. I just kind of want to acknowledge that there is so much suffering in the world. There's so much suffering in the world. And it it is easy to be overwhelmed. And when most humans get overwhelmed, we shut down or we get angry, right? And again, we're back to fight or flight. I just want to say for those moments where you feel shut down because you're like, I'm not doing enough, I can't do enough. It's important to remember that that's like your your human psychology being overwhelmed by the need. And that's when you know, okay, I need a little break. A break is not closing your eyes, turning away, doing nothing forever. A break is a break. A break is a break. We all take breaks mm-hmm. at work. It's mm-hmm. a break. You come back. Mm-hmm. Come mm-hmm. on back. Yeah. So <laughs> that's the work. And, and you know, and I can see within your chart that you are doing the work and a little bit more of the internal work will help you feel that more confidently. So yeah, I think, it, yeah, I really appreciate that advice of like just uh, connecting with the heart. Um, I interrupted you when you started to talk about the altar. So I don't know if there's anything you wanted to say specifically about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in general, when dealing with really challenging, very personal things, I think it's valuable to keep an altar where you like write notes to yourself about how you're feeling, um, what your intentions are, how you want to kind of return to the self and to check in with those notes once a week, once a month, whatever works as a way to be in conversation, especially for someone like you who's so mercurial, you know, your brain is never going to stop chatting with you so finding a way of doing that never that's not bad it's just when you want to be in the emotion the brain is such a distractor and so having using your your brain to like write notes to yourself as a spiritual practice where you return to it and check in with it emotionally that can be a really good way to kind of like keep your mercury happy you know but not constantly running all the shows so that'll make your cancer sun be more centered which is really hard work, but it's the work. That's great. <laughs> Good. I'm so glad we got to do this. Oh, God. I am i can't even begin to tell you 
how grateful I am, Jessica. Like, I just absolutely love listening to you and just your sense of social justice. Like, you know, I love your astrology and just the fact that you're always able to center it. And then into that idea that like we do, we do the right thing because we do the right thing. You know, we care about other people. It's so important. It's so, so important. The Indian Child Welfare Act, or ICWA, was enacted in 1978 as a much-needed reform on the practices that separated Native children from their families, and it is now under attack. On November 9th, the very conservative Supreme Court met to discuss whether to overturn the ICWA, which would be a devastating blow to tribal communities, Native children, and families. You can help by amplifying Native voices on social media and signing the petition to protect the ICWA. Use ResistBot by texting sign PCC PGW to ResistBot at 50409. Don't worry, this is in show notes. You can copy and paste it there. You can use this tool to urge your elected officials to act. Learn more about this issues and ways to help at NICWA.org. Welcome back, my loves. Listen, I just taught my manifestation class and it was such a joy. If you were there with me, thank you so much. And if you missed it, but you want to get it, uh, fret not, my friends, because I will have it for sale on my website on the shop page this week. Having just taught this class, it's so fresh on my mind. You know, it's easy. And I know I've talked about this before, but it really bears repeating. It's easy as spiritual people to want to focus only on the positive. Unfortunately, that's not real spirituality. If we're being truly spiritual, we are being concerned with the welfare of others. We are understanding our interconnectedness. And we are not embodying toxic individualism, wherein our individual welfare is prioritized at the expense of or on the backs of others. For a lot of people, this is a change. It's something to think about, and it's something to really investigate within the self. For others, it's, you know, kind of par for the course. Wherever you find yourself, I just, I really want to encourage you to spiritually, as well as behaviorally, consider the welfare of others as you are considering your own welfare. In the past week, the the DHS, which in the United States is the Department of Homeland Security, has issued a terror warning, yes, a terror warning for domestic terrorism against LGBTQIA Jewish and migrant communities. And I don't think it's just Jewish communities. I think it's non-Christian communities, Um, although a lot of the press is just saying, referencing Jewish communities, which makes sense because there's a massive spike in anti-Semitism. But I unfortunately think it's if you are not Christian, if you are a migrant or part of migrant community or queer or in queer community, uh, we're at risk. And so if you are part of any of those communities, you know, uh, be vigilant, take care of yourself and take care of your community. And if you're not, you know, also know that your, your privilege to not be in one of those groups empowers you to be an ally or even better an accomplice. So, you know, look out for the welfare of others, stay informed, and know that even though this is scary and it is, it's terrifying, and even though it's depressing, it's beyond depressing. It's also what's happening. 
it's just the reality of where we are. And if you can accept the reality of where you are, then you can work with it. Then you can mobilize from there. And so look around you, stay informed, and stay empathetic. And have your empathy not squash you into a puddle where you just feel depressed and demoralized, but instead motivate you to find purpose and action. And while you're at it, I'm sorry, but, you know, as I've been warning you for a while here on Ghost, COVID spiking, my God, it's spiking. And just in time for the holidays where so many people travel and come together and a lot of times indoors. So make sure to be masking when you're indoors, especially in public places with other human people. Wash your hands and be really considerate and careful for yourself and for others. I want to acknowledge that in the last week there has been banana cream pie news cycle. Like it's just, I don't want to speak poorly of a banana cream pie because that sounds delightful, actually. Uh, But it's just been wild things happening all around the world, just all around the world. From Iran to Germany to Peru to the U.S., there's just so much happening. And we are very much at a tipping point as a collective. And it's something I've talked about a ton throughout the year, certainly in the year ahead horoscope. I've been talking about it for years, probably. But we are, as a collective, as a human race, really looking at what we value, who we value, and how we experience and express that value. And it is no small thing. You know, it is really no small thing. And so I do invite you to consciously and intentionally participate in that reflection. It's still Mars retrograde. And, you know, if I'm being honest, it's a Mercury retro shade as of December 12th. Unfortunately, my friends, Uh, Mercury goes retrograde. Don't worry, it's December 29th, just in time for the new year. But uh, in the meantime, for the rest of the month, we're in the retro shady period of Mercury and Mars is retrograde. And this means it's a great time this rest of December to be reflecting, you know, to be looking inwards at our attitudes, Mercury and our actions, Mars our passions, Mars, and our beliefs, Mercury, right? So do that. And I encourage you to do that about your life, your loves, your work, all the things, but also about the world, about your place in the world with all of the serious crises we have at play. It is imperative that we understand that the macro, the big picture stuff, is only macro and big picture stuff until it affects you personally. It becomes intimate to you and personal to you pretty quickly when it does, right? And so considering your role to play in the world at large is my invitation to you from one astrology nerd to another, uh, because we all have a role to play in this time that we find ourselves living in. And if you do something, if you do a little something, a lot of something, if you do nothing, that's your participation. There's no way that any of us get to tap out of this. Our apathy, our engagement, they're all a part of the collective. And consider your role. Okay? Okay. Okay. And enough of that. We're going to get to your horoscope. We're looking at December 11th through the 17th of 2022. I don't get to say 2022 for very much longer, which I think I'm going to miss that. 
There's only four transits for me to tell you about this week. But of course, there's some some humdingers in there. So we shall get started. So we're starting off on December the 12th, the day that Mercury goes retro shady. Uh, and the sun forms a sextile to Saturn. So two things I'm going to name. The first, in a Mercury retro shade, which is the period before the Mercury retrograde or any planet's retrograde, where you start to feel the effects, but it's not full on. Okay, this is not a retrograde. You can still sign your contracts and make your decisions. But we start to have a little bit of communication issues. The stuff that goes on in your communications, your friendships, that kind of stuff, you know, anything that is mercurial, Mercury's about to retrograde over it. So it, these lessons are going to be coming back. So if you have a little argument with a friend, somebody starts to bug you, you can't sweep it under the rug. Mercury retrogrades coming for you. See? So pay attention to what's up between now and the end of the month, aka the end of the year. Okay. Now, the sun sextile to Saturn is a lovely grounding transit. When these two planets form a 60 degree angle to each other, which is what a sextile is, they're having a nice conversation. It's kind of a dynamic, exciting conversation. There's not a struggle there. So the sun is our identity and Saturn is responsibility, reality, time, maturity. And so this can be a really lovely transit that we feel on the 11th, 12th and 13th, but it's exact on the 12th, that helps us to feel a little more clear about our identity, a little bit more clear about who we are, or how we fit in or how we identify. It can be a transit that promotes uh, getting organized, getting your shit together, completing projects, dealing with details or admin that you were maybe a little overwhelmed by before. This transit really grounds us into being able to cope with it in a much smoother way. So this is a fantastic transit. Seriously, if there's anything that you need to do that's kind of boring or requiring of a great deal of concentration, this transit's your buddy. That said, on the 13th, we're going to start to feel the sun square to Neptune. We'll feel the 13th, 14th, and 15th. It is exact on the 14th. Sun square Neptune is kind of the opposite of all that. Just because the universe has a sense of humor and it seems to be at our expense so frequently. Okay, sun square Neptune is when we feel overwhelmed generally. Most people have a sense of anxiety, overwhelm, confusion, uh, could be just straight up exhaustion. You might just be like a sleepy peepee baby on this date. Um, when Neptune forms a hard aspect to the sun, what we're experiencing is a sense of overwhelm at too much information. So if you're a highly sensitive person, somebody who is very empathic, or just, you know, you're easily influenced by other people's energies, this is going to be a bit of a harder transition it for you. The lesson we're meant to learn, the thing we're meant to do under this transit is tap into our empathy, our generosity of spirit, and our spirituality, right? Our creativity. But to tap into these things with healthy boundaries. And those healthy boundaries are determined by what's authentic for us. Like what can you do in a healthy way? What can you hold in a healthy way? How late can you stay up and still pay attention to what your date is saying or whatever. The sun squared to Neptune is an invitation, albeit a kind of janky one, an invitation from the universe to have healthy boundaries with our energy and with our own identities, our own sense of self and belonging. It's not easy, but it's actually kind of simple. 
If you can get your buns, your sweet, sweet hiney into nature, that's ideal. You know, put your body in water, take a gorgeous bath, go for a swim. Uh, Great. Wonderful. Glorious. If you are a spiritual person and you want to do spiritual work, this also can be very good. The key is you don't want to be calling in too much or blasting open your aura or your energy field. And so, in other words, this is a terrible time for doing drugs, including uh, consciousness-raising drugs. Just not a great time for it. But it is a good time for tapping in, for cultivating patience. If you've been, I don't know, struggling to meditate, this is a good time to try again. The sun square to Neptune can be demoralizing and it can find you in a situation where you just feel like off and like things aren't going well or people are being kind of shitty to you or they're just being off with you. Now, remember, everyone's going through this transit, so everyone's energy is going to be a little off. And some people, when they feel off, what they do is they get defensive or weird and other people, they get quiet. So, you know, don't take it too personally if people are being odd with you on and around this date. But at the same time, we have an exact Mercury square to Chiron. And so people might be being weird with you because they're being weird. I, I wish I could tell you it's all in your head. Don't worry. Just have good boundaries. But Mercury square Chiron can often occur when we have power struggles with others, where we have fights with others. And it can be based on misunderstandings or it can be based in like a completely different way of relating to things, relating to each other. Mercury square Chiron is a transit where often we get triggered or somebody we're dealing with gets triggered. And that trigger kind of empowers us to act out. And when it comes to Mercury, Mercury acts out by saying shitty things, thinking shitty things, saying things in a shitty way, or obsessing on something that causes you pain. So Mercury square Chiron can be incredibly triggering and like shake you up. And for this transit to happen at the same time as the sun square to Neptune is risky business, 2022, because we're already destabilized. We're not feeling super strong because the sun square Neptune and the Mercury square Chiron comes and creates conditions where you have to stand up for yourself or you have to sort through. Am I being triggered here? Like, is this just about like my pre-existing triggers or is somebody actually trying to harm me? Is somebody fucking with me? Or you may be the one. You may need to look at like, did I say this or do I think this because I'm triggered and I'm just like lashing out at someone? Or do I actually hate this person? Or am I really mad at this person? Like it might be you, it might be someone else, but there's likely to be a tension here. Now on the positive, it is possible that this duo of transits will provoke the kind of uh, thinking that you need to move through some sort of limitation or block that you've had around having healthy boundaries, around your spirituality, uh, and around power, power issues with yourself, with the world, with someone else. And so there are positive potentials with this transit, but it's likely to be messy, truly messy. And uh, I expect to see Mishigas in the world, you know, like I expect to see some messy stuff in the world. And Again, if you're going out in the world, be safe in all the ways that you can be. And if you feel safe and you see other people are not safe, if you deem it appropriate, do what you can to make sure everyone is okay. Participate. Okay, and that brings us to the last exact transit of the week, and that is a Mercury trine to Uranus. This transit, my friends, delightful. 
Lovely. It's exact on the 17th, which means there's going to be some overlap with the Mercury square to Chiron uh, and the Sun square to Neptune. But luckily, it's a lovely transit. Mercury trying Uranus is a time where we are open-minded, where it's easier to make connections, shift your perspective, connect with other people, tap into new beliefs, new attitudes, find new solutions to old problems, all that kind of good stuff. Mercury, again, it's your mind, it's your attitudes, beliefs, your friendships, it's your DMs, your emails, it's your phone calls, it's what you say, it's how you say it, it's how you listen. And Uranus is the unexpected. It's the internet. Also, can we just take a moment to acknowledge that ChatGPT uh, exploded in this past week? Just at the final months of Saturn and Aquarius, we have this new AI that is going to radically change so much about how the world works, the jobs we have, how people study. I mean, it's just mind-blowing. It's for another conversation or another podcast, but uh, pretty remarkable. But anyways... Uranus is related to the internet. It's related to AI. It's related to innovations and expansion. Uranus is so much about freedom and individuation. Very exciting. So you can see how there may be innovations in your life in a really small way where you're like, oh, I figured out this crossword or I figured out how to say what I'm actually feeling to my friends or something, you know, kind of smaller like that. Or you might actually like break through an idea and be able to implement a new idea in a way that is creative uh, and exciting. So that's kind of cool, right? Mercury trying Uranus. Very nice. Very nice. You might get exciting news. Something might happen, you know, you might get some sort of positive curveball in your life. Uh, You might just feel a little more intuitive. Any of that kind of good stuff can happen under this transit. Now, because there is some overlap here with the Neptune and the Chiron stuff, it may simply be that you shake off whatever exhaustion you're having and you just feel a lot sharper, a little more mentally stimulated and kind of engaged. And it may be that there's a quick turnaround on whatever discomfort occurs for you around the 14th. So good timing, I say. Thank you, universe, for, you know, throwing us a soft pitch, as it were. That, my friends, is it. Short and sweet, not always sweet, a little salty in there, but short and sweet this week. And for those of you who haven't already subscribed to Astrology for Days, my astrologer's pro tool, it's not just for astrologers, it's also for astrology students, helps you track the movement of the planets. Uh, You can get that astrologyfordays.com. I'm going to run through the damn transits just for you, okay? On the 12th, the sun forms an exact sextile to Saturn. On the 14th, we have two exact transits. The first, a sun square to Neptune, and the second, a Mercury square to Chiron. And on the 17th, Mercury forms an exact trine to Uranus, and we say thank you very much. Much like I say to you, thank you very much. Thanks for joining me for another week of the podcast. If you haven't already subscribed to Ghost, it does make a really big difference. And if you haven't checked out the shop page of my website, always linked in the episode description, I got a real cute ghost of a podcast shirt for you to try on. You know, I mean, like try it on mentally and then maybe buy it for yourself or a loved one. And as always, I invite you to send me your questions to be considered for the podcast over at ghostofapodcast.com. And I'll talk to you next week. Okay? Bye-bye. Every year they say the end is near. 